Is it working? There it goes. Okay, I cut I cut out the um, the initial music because somebody told me that people were starting to listen and then it was copyrighted and stuff like that, so I cut that out. Anyway, hi everybody, this is Dr. Jess Harmon coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. I know I haven't been around for a while, but as the saying goes, he's back. Okay. You know, so tonight we're going to have a really great, um, great show for you tonight. Uh, we have a guest uh, who's been here twice before, Eliza Lambert, uh, who's a naturopath from Australia. Eliza, Eliza, say, say hey, or you. Hello. <laughs> okay, so Eliza has been um, has been uh, working with me, and um, you know, been studying like crazy, and she is now getting known in Australia as being the go-to person uh, when no one else can figure out what's wrong. And I'm like, yes. Okay, so before we get to tonight's um, presentation proper, I have a couple of announcements for everybody. Okay, uh, first off, uh, everybody has uh, who has called into my office has met my assistant, Cheryl Corsion, okay, who is my virtual assistant, but uh, in case anybody has missed the fact that she's also a certified integrative health coach, and she's received her certification through the Institute of Integrative Medicine, and presently she's also studying Control health, and she is a certified health specialist and a certified, and she's also certified in nutritional counseling. And her area of expertise is integrative nutrition, lifestyle, and the microbiome. Sounds like what I do, huh? Yep. Anyway, people have always asked, like, Jess, Dr. Jess, why don't you talk about diet? I said, usually because I'm trying to diagnose things that nobody else can figure out. But um, I hired Cheryl. She's she's an incredible assistant. I mean, oh my God, you know, in like a week she learned everything, and uh, and I was like like not suitably impressed. I was amazed. I mean, this this girl can walk on water and occasionally talk to God. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So anyway, um, I'm going to be introducing in January um, her also as a health coach. So you're going to be able to consult with her uh, when you're. Uh, when, if you want health coaching, if you want uh, a little more input, uh, if she um, you know, wants to work with people who want to make health a priority and implement diet and, and uh, lifestyle changes, okay, uh, she want people who want to reverse disease, feel better, start a family, achieve a healthier weight or optimize their health, uh, she's going to be working with them. And like I've always promised you guys, I don't even mention stuff unless I've done it myself. So guess what? She's going to start working with Dr. Jess as trying to get my health back, <laughs> okay, starting this week. So guess what? Even before I present her to my beloved patients everywhere, okay, uh, I'm very impressed with this woman. She is the real deal, okay? And uh, so you'll be learning a little bit more about this as January comes closer. Also, second thing, I have a Christmas present for everybody, okay? Anybody who um, who's a new patient who wants to make an appointment uh, between now and the end of December – uh, can use the code uh, Xmas XMAS10, and you will get 10% off the initial consultation. Okay, I mean things are pretty full now anyway, but I've been really blessed with you guys. Okay, I am so blessed. I'm doing so many things. I can't keep up really. Okay, I'm doing so many things, but I'm really blessed to be part of your lives, and I wanted to say thank you. So, if uh, you know somebody who needs my help, or you, somebody needs to. Uh, Start make an initial appointment, and I promise to speak the English language without ch- tripping over my tongue. Okay, they can put the code in XMAS, Xmas, 
10 and they will get 10 uh, 10% off the um, new patient consultation or the initial consultation. Okay. So anyway, so let's get to tonight's um, tonight's subject, which is, do you know eating more fat can help you lose weight? Let me introduce Eliza Lambert for anybody who has not um, met her yet. She's been on twice before. I am like super impressed with this woman. I got to tell you something. I meet a lot of practitioners, okay, all over the world. I have people calling me up all the time. Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And I'm like, yes, but no matter. Uh, there's very few people I actually mentor, people I actually work with one-on-one, and Eliza is one of them. And there's only one reason I do that, because she's a true healer. Okay, she is a naturopath, a homeopath. She's a registered GAPS practitioner with training in MAPS, which is the Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs, which used to be called DAN, Defeat Autism Now, which I'm certified in. She's got special interests in nutrigenomics, digestive, digestive disorders, slow down, Jess, mental health and autoimmune diseases, and has been in practice for 14 years. Her journey in health began in earnest when her eldest son, who I got to meet on, on Skype, and he's like, Mom, I don't want to talk to him because you're embarrassing me. Anyway, sorry, this is like, like, you're, like your 13-year-old, like, Mom, you're embarrassing me. Like, uh, let me out of here quick. Okay. Um, didn't start talking until age three and displayed Asperger's and ADHD traits. ADHD traits, right. Moving away from the medical model, she focused on removing infections in his gut, eliminating food intolerances, correcting nutritional deficiencies and reestablishing neural connections in the brain with various exercises. And mind you, at that time, this stuff wasn't on top of the list. This wasn't well-known stuff. Today, he's a handsome young teenager. Well, I could take an issue with that because like, oh, I'm not going to look at him. Anyway, um, and with no developmental or social differences, with the way that he didn't even want to talk to me on, the, on Skype, like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to go with my friends. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, that is a normal kid. I like it. I'm into it, you know. And this woman discovered this all on her own. Study, study, study. She travels all around the world to train, okay. There isn't anybody who's more of the real deal than Eliza Lambert. And i got to tell you something. In Australia right now, okay, and I don't know where you are in Australia. It looks like Logan Home QLD, which I still don't know what that means. Um, nevertheless, uh, Queensland, right? Yeah. That's all right. Um, all right. See, I got it right. I can figure it out eventually. Okay. I will tell you that in Australia right now, there are a lot of practitioners who say they know what they're talking about. They call themselves methylation practitioners, and they call themselves this, that, and the other thing. But Lysma is the person that everybody's going to when the you-know-what hits the fan and they can't figure out what's wrong. Usually these other doctors can't figure out what's wrong. And she's becoming very well-known down under for figuring out what's wrong, helping curing the incurable, okay, and, you know, reverse engineering chronic illness, which is exactly why we love her up here okay anyway welcome back eliza really great to have you back on the show oh thank you dr Oman. it's always so flattering when you introduce me so um, you know i'm very pleased to have you um, as my mentor thank you so much you're most welcome um i think we're having a little trouble with the uh connection so uh we'll start but i may ask you to hang up and call back okay okay uh, but the uh, subject is um, something that's near and dear to everybody's heart uh, about how eating, how you can lose weight. And there's a lot of things about weight loss, and, and I have a little bit of a cynical bent to it, but um, the fact is 
that I, I think we've been going around about it the wrong way. So we sometimes look at sugar as being bad and fat as being bad. So we look at low-fat dressings, and they're all sugar. Okay, so what gives? What's the story between sugar and fat, and what's bad for you, what's not bad for you? Give us the basis of it. Did I lose you? Could be. Eliza? Okay. I'm going to hang up. Eliza, try and call back for me, okay? Because I heard we were kind of losing it here for a little bit. So let's give her um, a couple of seconds to come back. Anyway, um, I have been kind of gone for a while because I went to um, England and um, it was like 25 days and Oh, here she is again. Okay, let's see. Eliza, are you there? Hello? Oh, isn't this fun? <laughs> Eliza, can you hear me? Let's see. This is working. That's working. I can't figure out how else to do this. Okay. Eliza has dropped. Call call has dropped. Anyway, so until we can uh, reestablish this. So uh, the reason I've been kind of gone for a while is I went to UK and I was seeing patients and uh, teaching courses and, you know, it's a beautiful place to be, but a month is kind of a long time to be away. And <laughs> I really knocked the hooses out of me, you know, so I wanted to start getting back to doing podcasts because people have been asking me, when are you going to do podcasts again? When are you going to do podcasts again? You know, because apparently um, we still have people, if I look at my list of podcasts, people who still listen to um, various uh, podcasts and I, you know, they do it by weeks. And frankly, I, I, even my original podcast that I did, people are still listening to like, you know, 10 and 12 and 15 a week. Let's hope this works this time. Can you Eliza, hear me, you there? Oh, finally. There you are. Yes. Oh, good. Doing that little circle thing. Oh, I can hear you real well. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very well. Oh, thank God. All right. So anyway, right. starting with the question, I was I was trying to do that, the thing that they do, you know, like kind of stretch things out and uh, just... <laughs> yeah. I was... and, uh, I'm like, okay, what <laughs> no, can I talk about now? I'm not prepared to anything, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so we were talking about asking... sugar and fat and what's bad for you, what's not. And, you know, we, we talked, you know, I was saying that, you know, people who are on diets, they tend to go on low-fat uh, diets, they tend to go on... Um, you know, to get low-fat dressings, and all those dressings that are low-fat are exactly that, low-fat, but very high in sugar. So then we say sugar is bad, and then we say fat is bad. And really, honestly, nobody really knows. So we'd like you to explain, you know, what's the story between fat and sugar? And in the meantime, can you tell us why most diets fail? Okay. So when we, when we need energy, when our bodies need energy and our cells need energy, it's generally going to get it from two sources, either from sugar or from fat. Um, now, when, you, when your body's used to getting energy from sugar, we will call that being carb adapted. And if your body's used to getting energy from fat, then you're fat adapted. So most people out there are carb adapted because that's just the way we eat. Sugar is in all our food. Um, our bodies are very much geared to breaking down glucose and sugar as a fuel source. Now, the, you can sort of like argue which one is better, whether it's better to be sugar adapted or fat adapted, but I'll sort of explain why I think it's better to be fat adapted. 
if your body is only used to breaking down sugar for energy, when your blood sugar levels drop and your energy levels drop, it's not going to really want to look for energy in another place. Like your body's, your body's a little bit lazy. It'll try, if it's used to the same thing, it'll try and stick with that same thing. So instead of looking for an energy source somewhere else, it will really just trigger your brain uh, to create cravings and to eat more sugar. So it, it'll just send a message to say, look, my blood sugar is low, my energy is low, I need more sugar. And that's why you will crave carbohydrates and why you'll crave sugar. And then you go and you know, eat your chocolate and eat the lollies and eat the bread and all of that. And that'll bring up your blood sugar levels again. But this surge in blood sugar then creates the surge in insulin. And you know, as we've talked about before in the past, when you have um, constantly elevated insulin, it's going, to, uh, it's going to get your body to store that glucose or that excess glucose into fat. So it's going to make you gain weight. Um, and apart from, apart from that, the excess insulin that is being produced when you're eating a lot of sugar is also going to inhibit that fat breakdown, which is called lipolysis. So now your body will go and store more fat it will also not break down fat either. Um, and then it'll then just spike your blood sugar. Uh, uh, your, your blood sugar will be up. The insulin then drops your blood sugar again. And this whole cycle keeps on continuing. And this is when someone is carb adapted. Their body doesn't really have the ability to break down fat for energy. Now, you can actually retrain your body to become fat adapted. Um, and if you can get your body to become fat adapted, it's, it's much more likely that you'll start to break down the stored fat in the, uh, in the liver and in the muscle cells uh, and use that for energy. And that is how you will lose weight. But you have, to, you have to give the body a reason to do that. It's not just going to do that by itself. You have to give it a reason. And the way that you do that is you have to withhold the carbohydrates. You have to withhold the sugar. If you keep on eating sugar, your body will never have a reason to go into fat stores. It, it just won't. Like, it's just way, way more easier to break down um, glucose for energy. So you have to start, you know, reducing the sugar out of your diet and then increasing the fat. Because eventually your body will click and say, hey, you know, I've got to find a different form of energy because this person's not giving me any more sugar. So I'm going to have to learn how to break fat down for energy. And there's a big reason why you want that to happen, because if you look at the energy production from sugar and from fat, there is a massive difference. So, you know, in, in a biochemical world, we measure energy as ATP. And if you look at how many molecules, so, so the more molecules of ATP we can have or we can yield from, from breaking down foods, the more energy we'll have for our cells to work. And if you look at the biochemistry of one molecule of sugar being broken down, it only yields about two ATP molecules per sugar molecule. If you take fat, it will really depend now on the type of fat that we're talking about because obviously you get odd-chain fatty acids, even-chain fatty acids, short-chain fatty acids, and long-chain fatty acids. But to give you a bit of an example, palmitic acid can yield up to a net of 129 ATP molecules. That is massively different, like from two ATP molecules from one glucose molecule to 129 ATP molecules from one palmitic acid molecule. So we can see here that you can get a tremendous amount of energy from fat. You don't really get that much energy from sugar. So you'll tend to have to eat more of sugar to get that same kind of um, energy yield that you get from fat.
Now, when you become fat adapted, when your body starts getting used to breaking down fat for energy, it will start to break down the fats that you eat into smaller fatty acids. And then those fatty acids can then also be broken down into what we call ketones um, and also carboxylic acids such as beta-hydroxybutyric acid. And these are fuel sources for all the cells of the body. We're looking at the liver, the kidneys, the brain, the heart. All of the cells in the body need an energy source. And the, and the beauty of these fat, um, these fatty acids and the ketones is that they can give the mitochondria or the cells energy even when the cells are in a, in a danger mode or in, infl- in, in, in an inflammatory mode. So if the cells are not very healthy, the mitochondria is not functioning very well, it can actually use those ketone bodies for energy uh, and still get the cells to function to a large degree, even when they are not that healthy, whereas sugar will actually just create more of an inflammatory response. Um, And the fats in itself, you need those fats to sort of feed the brain, the, the, the structural integrity of the brain. And, you know, we'll get to dopamine in a, in a second, but the white matter of the brain, it needs a lot of fats to keep that white matter healthy. And this is where a lot of the dopaminergic signaling takes place. So what they found is in a lot of children with ADHD, which is obviously dopamine issues and why they get put on Ritalin, is they actually have very, a very shrunken white matter when they look at the brain scans. And the conclusion there is that it's because children are having way more sugar and way more junk food in their diet, and they're not getting the good quality fats in that they should, like avocados and nuts and seeds and um, uh, grass-fed meats and things like that. So they end up with with, uh, much less white matter, and that's going to interfere with a lot of the signaling pathways in the brain. And now when we look at, you know, because... If you, if you have to choose which one you're going to go for, because you can either use sugar as that, as that energy molecule or you can use fat as a molecule. There's a lot of reasons why fat would be the go-to for, um, for getting the energy because sugar, sugar in, triggers inflammation. We already know that. There's been you know, plenty of data on that. So sugar will trigger inflammation. That'll, that'll also add to inflammation in the brain. Um, it also can create insulin dysregulation and blood sugar fluctuations, which can trigger cravings. It can cause mood swings and insomnia and energy slumps and behavioral problems in children. And if you look at healthy fats, healthy fats are needed for cell membrane integrity, for, the, for brain cells and nerve cells. It's needed for cholesterol and steroid hormones. Um, it's non-insulinogenic, like fat does not actually trigger an insulin response, so it's much better for uh, a stable blood sugar, and it's also, it reduces cravings, and it's much better for appetite control. So if you have to choose between the two, I think fat really stands out on top um, from fat and sugar. And when they looked at addictive behaviors, this was quite interesting, and it, it all really makes sense, because if you think about it, if you have a pot of sugar in front of you or you have a block of butter in front of you, um, you're just going to have like a few teaspoons of the sugar, a few teaspoons of the butter, and then you're going to be done. You're not going to really, no one binges on a pot of sugar or on a block of butter, at least not anyone that I know. And that is because in Hey, I resent that remark. Watch it. Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's because... Fat on its own, sugar on its own, doesn't actually trigger 
get when we combine the two. So when you combine fat and sugar, which is what you get in junk food and donuts and things like that, that actually, they found that it was sort of like a 50-50 split. Like if you had 50% sugar, 50% fat in a food, that is what triggers cravings and um, um, binge eating behavior. And one of the reasons that that happens is because the combination of fat and sugar decreases the dopaminergic function or the function of dopamine in the brain. And that is what triggers cravings. And I even read that one author stated it was like putting the brain in a freezer when you, when you combine fat and sugar. And I thought that was a, a pretty good way of sort of explaining it, where the brain just, it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It, it becomes like, you know, like jelly and the, the, the signaling just doesn't happen there. Um, so that is, you know, that is definitely one of the big reasons why I'm a big um, proponent of more fat in the diet and less sugar in the diet. Because we can also go into ketogenic diets, which is um, a high-fat, moderate-protein, low-carbohydrate diet. And there's also a lot of different energy. And the only way you're really going to do that is by reducing the one and increasing the other. And getting okay, Eliza. Uh, but I'm having um, it's 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 happening again with the uh, with the uh, connection. Um, okay. I'm going to hang up. Call call back again, okay? And I'll just okay. I'll sum up what you were talking about, okay? Uh, thanks. Okay. okay what Eliza was talking about was um, that the utilization of sugar, okay, which is our body's preferred way of getting energy, okay, the way we create energy. Uh, is by going through glycolysis. Uh, one mole of glucose, and glucose is not a, um, I'm sorry, a mole is not a furry animal, it's a measurement, okay, will produce 36 ATPs, but the first thing it has to do is go through glycolysis, which does take energy, and then the products of glycolysis have to go into something called the Krebs cycle before it creates the um, electron donors that go into the mitochondria, okay? Uh, that process requires energy, Okay, whereas if you're utilizing fat, okay, it uses a significant less amount of energy. It doesn't set off the insulin reaction. Uh, anybody, uh, Eliza, are you there? Yes, yes, can you hear me? Okay, good. Yeah, I was just explaining a little bit about what you were um, talking about, is that um, people who, who've had um, hypoglycemia before they get diabetes, that's something called hyperinsulinemic hypoglycemia, where what happens is, is you your body's so used to the carbohydrates that it's overreacting to them. So you put a piece of bread in your mouth, and your body says, "He's putting in chocolate cake," right? And then releases a boatload of insulin. All the blood sugar in your bloodstream goes into the cells, and now two things happen: one, your blood sugar in your in your in your um, in your bloodstream drops significantly, and your brain doesn't like that because it only uses uh, glucose for energy, so it sends out an emergency signal to the adrenal glands to release adrenaline, and that adrenaline runs around to the liver and cleaves glycogen into glucose. On the other hand, all that sugar gets into the cells, and whatever is not used for energy goes into a storage mechanism that we've had since we've been cavemen or cave women. And I won't sing the song, I promise. Okay, but during that time, remember, up until the, like the <laughs> 17th, 18th century, there were times of plenty and times of not so plenty. Okay, so when our bodies, you know, were going to, into, conserva- into conservation mode, okay, we would take any sugar that we had and put it into fat so we could utilize it. That's what bears do. Okay, and I'm a very, I'm a bear person, so that's what bears do when they're eating all kinds of um, berries and stuff and they, they gain all kinds of weight so they can 
create this very dense fat that they could feed on while they're hibernating. Okay, so the creation of energy, believe it or not, does not set off the insulin reactions. Okay, if you're using, if I'm sorry, the creation of um, energy utilizing fat, uh, it does not set off the insulin reactions. So you don't get all these um, fight or flight reactions and so forth. And, and it seems to be a healthier way to go about it. And it's known by a whole mess of different names, which I'm going to shut up and let Eliza continue. <laughs> now you did a very good summary there, Dr. Armine. So the, I'm pretty much, that pretty much sums up the way that fat and sugar works in terms of energy. And then you, the next, you, know, you also asked why a lot of diets fail. So the, one of the big reasons why a lot of diets fail is because most of your common diets are very low calorie, low sugar, and low fat. Now, when you go and you withdraw all those energy sources, the sugar and the fat and, you, and, and low calorie, and you're trying to lose weight, your, your, your cells are just not going to have any more energy or ATP to, to function. And so the only other solution for the body is just then start to break down protein um, down through a process called gluconeogenesis in the liver to create glucose so that the cells can survive and the cells can keep on functioning just with its daily function. But we also know that the muscle cells is, has a vast majority of the mitochondria sitting in the muscle cells. Um, so when you start breaking down your own muscle tissue to try and feed the cells uh, because you're not getting enough glucose or fat in, then ultimately you're going to lose a lot of that mitochondria and that's going to slow down the metabolism. And when you slow down your metabolism, this is why you put on more weight when you stop a diet than what you were before you even start the diet. Um, and not just that, like when that energy, you know, when your cells are so energy depleted, it's going to, uh, your dopamine levels are going to drop down because there's not enough energy to actually feed the, the brain to, to stimulate dopamine firing. And so your, your cravings, your, your hunger signals and your craving signals are going to just go crazy. And that's going to trigger binge eating type behavior. And when you get into the binge eating, um, this is going to, that exact insulin thing that you were talking about, you're going to get that hyperinsulin response. You're going to get that drop in blood sugar um, levels. You're going to get insulin resistance and leptin resistance and all of those things happening. And uh, you're also going to get inappropriate dopamine signaling taking place in the, in the brain um, because of, of these fluctuating insulin levels and leptin levels. Um, so that's one of the main reasons why a lot of the diets fail and why um, you know, fat is definitely a, a preferred source to sugar um, from um, a weight loss perspective and from an energy perspective. Well, you mentioned, um, well, I'm sure you're going to get to it, but the um, you mentioned a little bit about leptin. Uh, that looks like it's a little bit later on. Um, but you also mentioned dopamine. Okay. Yes. So yeah. uh, can you talk about the role of uh, the neurotransmitters in this? Yep, yep, definitely. That was what I was going to get onto next. So that's a good question. So when we look at the um, in the brain and we look at the dopaminergic areas in the brain, there's really not actually that many dopamine neurons in the brain. I think uh, the the source that I got said about 400,000 dopamine neurons, and they're concentrated in small areas in the brain. But what they do is their axons project to large parts of the brain. So it's like you have these little hubs of dopamine in the brain, but then they send out their signals like a, like a satellite to all of the other areas of the brain. And it's this signaling that actually has the power, 
powerful powerful effect of dopamine. Um, and when we this your dopamine centers are in quite a few areas in the brain. You get your substantia nigra, you get the um, hypothalamus, the posterior hypothalamus, but we're going to concentrate on one area and that is called the ventral tegmental area or the VTA area. And the VTA area sits in the brain and this is your reward system. So this is where you get your feel good emotions. You, um, you get the prize at the end of the, um, whatever you're doing but this is this is what drives our eating behaviors and it's what drives um the decisions we make in terms of is it going to make me feel good or is it going to make me feel bad now in this vta area so you have the dopamine neuron sitting there or the cell bodies there and then it projects to areas like the prefrontal cortex the amygdala uh, the hippocampus a few other areas but it also projects to an, a small little area called the nucleus accumbens and this nucleus accumbens, there's quite a lot of research that's been done around drug addiction and this little area. So um, this is also where um, food addictions and things like that come into play as well. Now, if we look at that, um, that, vent, um, that nucleus accumbens or the ventral tegmental area, it's pretty much all this, the same area there. Um, and we look at addictive behaviors. What I really found very fascinating, Dr. Armand, is when I started looking into this, I always thought that, well, addiction is addiction and that's, that's it. But I was actually very surprised and something new I learned is that you, there's actually a difference in terms of cravings and addictive behaviors. You get a liking and you get a wanting, and there's actually a, a difference between the two. So your liking of something is driven more with um, uh, opioid signaling. And this is sort of like your hedonic behavior. So this is where you get a craving for a very specific thing and you have to have that thing. So it becomes an addictive, uh, an addiction to one specific thing. And this is driven by opioids. And this would be things like heroin and alcohol and things like that. But then you get the wanting cravings. And the wanting is more driven by dopamine. So the wanting is more of a psychological need for an increase of generalized food intake. So it's not necessarily a specific food that you have to have. You just want food. You're hungry. You want food. And this is very typical what you would see in people who binge eat or um, bulimics is they, um, they don't, they're not necessarily very specific in which foods they eat. They just have a huge hunger that they need to fill. And, and uh, it doesn't really matter what food it is. They just need to eat to try and get those dopamine levels up. And so this is the wanting area of cravings, and this is where dopamine plays a role. And um, when, you, when you look at dopamine uh, signaling, which is, which is pretty much dopamine sort of gives like the value and the context to any kind of a reward, um, it was very interesting. Like if you, if you, um, if you eat something, then you're in, 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 a, in a healthy dopamine response, what will happen is the dopamine will travel, the, the signaling of the dopamine will travel through the white matter of the brain, through the dopaminergic pathways. It'll bind to a dopamine receptor, and the dopamine receptor will then trigger that reward feeling. And this is what increases our drive and our effort to look for food in difficult situations. It's a survival mechanism. If we didn't have that, then we would just never be bothered to go and look for food and we'll starve to death. So that is what will, if, if you eat a food, you, you bind to the, the dopamine binds to the dopamine receptor and you feel happy about it, then that is the end of that signaling and um, you've got the reward at the end of all of that. But what happens is when you eat something and you 
it's, yeah. it's happening again, kid. Uh, okay. Say a few more words. It's kind of yes. breaking up. All okay, right. continue continue talking. Let's see if this. Okay, so when you get when you keep talking. All right, uh, go ahead. Go ahead and call back again. Okay, because um, okay. let's try this one more time. Okay, thanks. All right. Okay, everybody. Um, one of the things that Lazen was talking about was dopamine. Dopamine is your feel-good neurotransmitter. Okay, it is your neurotransmitter of satiety. Okay, so um, when you have a nice meal, you know, and you have that oh, that feeling, that satiety, that that is um, that is um, dopamine. Okay, and the, and the joke that I always I, I put out, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect by it, you know, uh, picture. Um, going to um, a bunch of ladies going to get um, a particular object at the mall, you know, and there's only three of them left, but there's about 80 people trying to get there. So you, you and your friends form a wedge and you start running your way through, knock, knocking people down and leaving dead bodies in the wake. And you pick up, you know, the objects and you pay for them and you're heading back to your car with that smile on your face. That's dopamine. Okay, dopamine is your is your source of satiety. Now, too low dopamine and too high dopamine can cause all kinds of problems. But in this particular uh, role, okay, it has um, a role in your reward system, liking versus versus wanting. And remember that liking is one thing; wanting is a craving. Okay, craving is a whole different ball game than just liking something. When you crave something, you can't live without it. You're going to be like drawn to it. You know. So when people say that I don't eat sugar. Okay, um, but I remember one lady from Germany that we were chat- I was chatting with. She said, "I don't eat." I said, "I know you don't eat sugar, but you know what do you crave?" And she used to tell me about stories about her coming down at night in kind of a half fog and eating sugar sugary foods out of the refrigerator. Okay, that's a craving. Okay, liking something is just liking it. Wanting means your body's looking for something. Oh, I can you one more time. Let's, see, let's see. I can hear you now. Let's see if this works. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we left off sort of like with the, the dopamine surges. So when you're eating junk food, high sugar and high fat foods, um, and um, even foods that are high in glutamates like MSG foods, it's going, to, it's going to trigger an excess of dopamine firing. So you're going to get this prolonged stimulation of dopamine, and this is – what drives addiction, addictive behaviors. And if this prolonged stimulation goes on for long enough, eventually your dopamine just sort of becomes exhausted. You're, you're exhausting your dopamine stores. Um, and some of those, especially with glutamate, some of those dopamine neurons can actually die as well because they just fry. They just get completely burned out. And so now you have less dopamine receptors and dopamine neurons. And all of this is going to create that dopamine deficiency, and that's going to trigger binge eating type of behavior. Um, and when you have, um, you know, one of the, one of the big, big regulators of this is um, actually GABA. Now, this, I wasn't going to talk about GABA, but I'll just quickly mention it. GABA is actually one of the new... Oh, you got to talk about GABA. It's my favorite subject. Yeah, I know. I mean, so no, I'm very intimidated on. talking you're about it. You're about dopamine. <laughs> you got to talk about GABA. Otherwise, he will get upset. You know, things can happen, you know, things. Yeah, exactly. Things can happen. All right. So GABA puts the brakes on that um, VTA or that ventral segmental area. Uh, when you have this excessive dopamine firing, GABA is sort of the thing that slows it down a little bit. And what GABA also does is it silences that that nucleus accumbens area, that one that's the uh, where the um, 
the ad addictive uh, tendencies um, are being triggered, it silences that. And the reason why that is important is because if you, if you silence that nucleus accumbens, it means that you can eat, uh, you can sit down and have a meal without having uh, those massive cravings or that massive hunger. You'll still be hungry because your body needs fuel, but it's not going to be driven from an emotional perspective. Um, this is where GABA, you know, has a, a huge role to play. So um, I thought, you know, that definitely had to be mentioned there. Um, and, you know, something that I want to sort of like point out, because it is about why fats are important. And we did talk about the ketones and the fatty acids, and I want to just point out that all of these brain mechanisms uses a tremendous amount of energy. So if there isn't enough energy, if there isn't enough ketones or fatty acids or fuel to fuel these, um, these neurons, then this whole dopamine system cannot work. Um, and you will have like, you know, regardless of dopamine production and all of that, you will have um, a dopamine deficiency. And so this is why getting the right amount, the right fuel into your cells is so important um, because it does drive this whole dopamine thing. And then the dopamine in turn, um, you know, if that's all nice and balanced, it, it, it uh, balances the cravings, it balances the hunger, and you're more likely to make better, better food choices. So it does all feed into each other. Um, if, so, I, if I may, is, is it yep. the amount of dopamine or dopamine receptor problems? It's more, so it's it's probably a, a probably a little bit of both, because you need you know when you look at like how dopamine gets produced, uh, if you take tyrosine, like tyrosine can either be it can either go to the adrenal medulla and get turned into catecholamines in the adrenal medulla, or it can uh, go into the brain where it then forms uh, the dopamine in the brain. But to get to get um, dopamine in the brain, you actually need insulin. You need carrier molecules and you need a lot of nutrients like iron and oxygen and folate and things like that. If you lack insulin because your pancreas, the pancre pancreatic bitter cells don't have enough ATP or energy to make insulin or you're insulin resistant or anything like that, then tyrosine cannot actually cross the blood-brain barrier and get into the brain to make dopamine. So you can end up with a deficiency just in the production of dopamine. Um, and uh, glutamate, um, you know, is a good example of this. Glutamate does two things. It, it actually inhibits tyrosine hydroxylase, so it inhibits the production of dopamine, and at the same time, it, uh, it depletes dopamine sources by, by making it fire. Like, it's sort of like it stops the production, but then it just shoots the dopamine bullets all over the place. And so that creates both a production problem and then uh, a deficiency because it's used up all the dopamine. But you need all of those things to happen for dopamine to actually be formed in the brain in the first place. But when we were talking about the white matter, the white brain matter and the dopaminergic pathways, that's mm -hmm. more to do with your dopamine receptors and your dopamine transporters. So that white matter, if you don't have, if you're following low fat diets and you ha don't have uh, a good amount of white matter for all of those signals to, to happen throughout the brain, and you're going to get poor dopamine signaling, what's going to happen there is your dopamine rece receptors are going to downregulate because there's just not enough dopamine getting through. The, the phone line is faulty. The dopamine is not getting through. So the dopamine, dopamine receptors will downregulate because there's not really much work for them to do. And then as a response to that, your dopamine transporters will also downregulate because you're, there's so little dopamine left that in order to preserve whatever little is there, um, you, the transporters will downregulate so that it doesn't, 
it doesn't uh, take them back into the um, the uh, postsynaptic cells um, for for storage. So both the transporters and the receptors get downregulated in when there is um, uh, when the dopamine is not getting through. So you can you can produce a lot of dopamine, but if it's not getting through those pathways, then those receptors and transporters will get downregulated anyway. And then this is going to you know in the long run. Apart from the cravings, I think eventually what will happen is that um, you'll, you know, depression can hit in and you'll even start to um, possibly lack the drive to even go and look for food. Because this is what they show in studies, that if that VTA system gets shut down, then that need to, for survival or that need for, to go and look for food during hard times, it stops. So you just couldn't be bothered. And I think this is when you get to the end stages where, um, you know, where you get have much, much more serious problems where you have um, depression and things like that. Um, well, but that's a little bit beyond. Let's bring, it down to, let's bring it down to the practical, okay? Um, yeah. it, it's, it's obvious you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Wouldn't have you on the show if you didn't, okay? Uh, but um, you talked about dopamine's role in weight loss. Uh, you talked about um, how fat can affect the brain and the white matter cell membranes, ketones, and so forth. Um, how does uh, how do we regulate our cells? Uh, we're doing it the wrong way. Okay, it's obvious that we're doing weight control, uh, weight balancing, whatever you want to call it. You know, but we're doing it the wrong way. Okay. Um, I have my suspicions that all those weight loss companies out there, you know, are setting people up for failure by feeding the wrong way of eating. Okay. Uh, so people will lose weight, but they will fail. Okay. I'm getting the impression that you have a methodology here that people can utilize that's actually better for your energy creation mechanisms and will balance your weight naturally rather than going on these horrendously restrictive diets. Unless I'm misreading you. No, no, you're not misreading me. You know, I never so, do. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> so if we look at it, so if you can bring it down too. kind of let's get down to the practical stuff because people, you know, I, I know that they're listening, but um, we want to know what to do about this I mean, in, in, in real practical terms. And, you know, what can we do about getting our, our bodies working in the correct manner? Okay. The good news is it's not really that hard. You know, we, yeah, we get a bit complicated in the explanation of things, but the actual practical aspect of it is really, I think it's pretty much what we all really know and we just need to be told about it again. Well, one of the one of the main things that I like, you know, I know I was I was mentioning ketogenic diet, but that can be seen as a bit of an extreme diet in some cases. And the the research shows that your your one of your best diets for that whole dopaminergic system and the insulin system and all that kind of stuff is just a Mediterranean diet. You know, if you just look at a plain old simple anti-inflammatory Mediterranean style diet, which is just lots of vegetables, because you can get yeah. your sugar. I'm sorry again. This is not working out. The uh, this is breaking up real good, uh, and okay. I I know that I can't I can't hear you. If I can't hear you, I'm sure that the recording is like that. So listen, let's do this, okay? I hate doing this, but uh, your message is too too damn important not to um, not to to do it completely, okay? Um, and it's it's breaking up like crazy, okay? So um, why don't we reschedule this? Um, 
And, you know, I've got to figure out a better way. Blog Talk Radio is nice, but it's um, it's just not more and more of these problems. Let's reschedule this, okay, so that we can do it correctly and everybody can hear. Okay, because this, this is – you're getting to like three, four minutes, and then it's starting to break up again. And, you know, half the um, – you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure that anybody who's listening is having the same problem as I am. Okay, uh, is that okay by you? You see, I can barely hear you. <laughs> but and before you before you go, if if anybody can hear you, how do people get in touch with you? Um, they can get in touch with me on um, my website, or uh, which is uh, realizehealth.com.au. Um, they get my email address and I just email me directly. Um, I hope you've got that one. Okay. Well, you know something? I couldn't hear that, so I'm sure nobody did. But I'm I'm preparing a uh, <laughs> newsletter uh, to send out tomorrow, and I'll make sure that your website and your um, the Vimeo, the uh, video that you did on the cell wall membrane is on there. Okay. And we're just going to redo this early in January, okay, because I, I just simply can't hear you, and I don't know, I don't know what can be done at this stage, um, but I do know that uh, your message is too important to just let it go and be, you know, <laughs> okay. Eliza, <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for your patience, dearest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care now. Bye bye. Bye. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, it was. Uh, technical problems, which I'm seeing to be getting more and more and more with uh, Blog Talk Radio. So like I've told you before, we have to find a different uh, platform to do these. Um, Eliza will come back. She's she's just a wealth of information. Okay. And, um, you know, it's, it's real important. This is this whole concept of ketogenic diets and the Mediterranean diets and uh, dopamine and leptin and insulin resistance and so forth are the reasons why diets fail and why we really shouldn't be on a diet but eating a certain way, okay? So um, early January, Eliza will be back next week. Um, we're going to have a, another new show, okay? And um, I'll be announcing that. And it's going to be on uh, a continuation of the electromagnetic fields with uh, Mary Cordero, who's agreed to come back. And uh, around Christmas time, which would be um, – let's say um, December 19th, I'm going to have a Q&A session, okay, a question and answer where you guys are going to run it, and you'll be able to call in and answer and ask whatever questions you'd like about whatever subject, okay, which I think is um, really good. I think verbal questions, are, I know some people do this on um, on uh, on Facebook or whatever, but I like to do a uh, verbal uh, methodology so that people can call in and ask and I can uh, explain um, their questions and so forth. And uh, I'm going to do that uh, the week of Christmas. Okay, so um, I hope you tell everybody. And again, uh, don't forget that uh, if you want to uh, make an appointment, uh, just go ahead and get to my website, which is drjessarmine.com, and you can use the code XMAS, XMAS10, and you can get 10% off the new patient appointment. And uh, listen close because uh, we're going to have. Uh, my assistant, Cheryl, um, who is going to be working as not only my assistant, but as a health coach, which is going to be really, really important. 
okay, because she's already de demonstrated that she has the knowledge and the motivation to help everybody, and it's going to be a complement to what we're doing. We're going to be adding to our services, okay, which will be totally voluntary on your part. Uh, we tried to do this before, but the way the website was set up, uh, people really didn't have any choices. Now you will have choices, okay, but I want you to have um, – I want you to have expanded services. Okay, so, um, so I'm sorry I'm cutting this short, but it's kind of necessary. And um, I will see you guys next week. And don't ever forget that if nobody told you they love you today, Dr. Just does. So you guys have a good week. Take care now.